And the only Ronnie Millsap strong song I know is there's a stranger in my house. And, uh, but I'm not going to sing, so everyone says amen. Um, you know, we're busier than we've ever been. We have more stress now than we've ever had. All the statistics are in the secular world are telling us this is one of the most stressful times we've ever had to live in as an American people. We are approaching the Christmas season and sometimes there's added pressure to the Christmas season. I'm told, I don't know this, but I'm told that suicide increases during the holiday season. I can't prove all that. But I know that there are more demands on us than we've ever had. Words like balance evade us. Words like survival become real to us. So how do we navigate as Christians in this world that we're living in with all the stress, with all the things, with all the busyness, all the demands that are coming upon us? How do we navigate this? I begin by asking you this question. Are you where Jesus wants you in relation to himself? I'm not asking you if you're reading your Bible. I'm not asking if you're attending church, you're tithing, you're serving. I'm not asking you that. What I'm asking you is, are you where Jesus wants you in relation to Him? That's the single most important question that needs to be answered in all the lives of believers. And I'm taking a break from Peter. We touched on this in our men's Bible study yesterday morning. But the Lord has really been speaking to me about this. About our priorities. Now before you say, oh Lord, here we go. He's going to ask us to do something else. That's not at all. See, that's the whole key we're missing here in priorities. Priorities is not about doing something. Listen to me. The world defines prioritization as rearranging events so that I can get things done. Christ, Jesus, defines prioritization by ordering the things of the heart. The things on the inside and orienting them towards God. And what I want to say to you is, I'm not here to preach about we need more servants or we need more money or we need, that, that's nothing. That means nothing to me. What I'm telling you is, as a Christian people, we are growing more desperate for a need of ordering the things in our heart. So that those, everything when our heart's right with God, things fall into place as they should. Think about this. Most people only work real hard at their marriage when the marriage is falling apart. When it's so far gone and it's a last ditch effort, that's when they only work on their marriage. 
Many only put forth an effort when they feel they're losing whatever it is they have. Our relationships, our children. And it's indicative by the way we're living and the way that we're so desperate for energy. We're so depressed. It's evident that we, in fact, need a reordering of the things in our heart. We critically need to come to a place in our lives where we come to Jesus and we say, Jesus, are the priorities of my heart right with you? Our relationship with Jesus Christ affects every area of our lives. Every area. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I hope today that you will. Because, listen, it's not just to keep you from going to hell. But it's about having life and having it more abundantly. Having a joyful life. Just let me give you an example. Let me give you a, a, an, ex, an experiment for you to do this week. When you go to Walmart... Start smiling and speaking to people. You will catch them off guard. I've had people, I walk through Walmart, hey, how are you doing today? And I have people stop and turn around and look at me and say, well, I'm doing okay, thank you, how are you? And they'll be shocked. You know why? Because we have no joy in our hearts, guys. We leave the church and we leave like we've just had a root canal. And people driving by say, I want to go to that church. Look how, look how happy they are. Because we have no joy in our hearts. Our favorite team loses and, and people are all upset. I have learned one thing. Thank God I am not a college football coach. And that's my career. Because my coaching record was bad. I lost more than one. Loser. But we're, we're, we're a society that cannot be satisfied. We cannot be satisfied. 82, I think, bowl games this year. And the Ohio State Buckeyes have finished in the top five, or top ten for I don't know how many years. And everybody's acting a fool and crazy. We can't be satisfied. Because... The priorities of our heart are misaligned with God. Now, I will say this, just in parting words. There is a place called Hell, Michigan. I didn't know if you knew that or not. It's a real place. And I just thought, as a pastor, I must tell you that. But back to the message and my heart. and Getting my heart right with God. Our relationship with Jesus affects everything, and one of the good indicators that our relationship is insufficient or def deficient, I should say, would be this. We have no joy. We have no joy. Man, I love Christmas. Anybody else like Christmas? I love Christmas. Some people are like, I'm not putting my tree up till after Thanksgiving. Well, fine. I hope Amy does. <laughs> I don't do it. I hope Amy does. She did. I love Christmas. You know why? Joy 
to the world. Joy. Joy. But we don't have joy. And we're just trying to get by. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing well under the circumstances. How did you get there? How did you get under the circumstances? We have no joy. And I can tell you, equally in this church, every one of you and the person beside of you is going through something. But even as you're going through something, you can have joy. Why? Because Jesus said you could. So I I give you three things. Number one, our number one priority should be intimacy with God. Listen to me, it's different. It's different than what you think. Preacher, I'm reading my Bible, but how many times are we reading our Bible? And while we're reading our Bible, we're thinking about, man, if I could get through chapter 5, I'm good. I've got to go to work. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. That's not intimacy with God. That's you fulfilling an obligation so you feel good about yourself. That's not intimacy with God. You would be better off if you read one verse and you meditated on that verse and you talked to God about that verse and you said, God, put that verse in my heart than to read... 20 chapters and not know what in the world you read. We don't know God. We come to church and we sing songs and meh, 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 meh. And then when the same people are at the ball game, whoa! We don't know God because we don't seek intimacy with Him. God doesn't want to be a genie to you. He doesn't want to be some distant deity. He wants to be your life. And the prioritization of our heart begins with intimacy with God. Do you know God? Sure, you don't want to go to hell and you believed in Jesus and you're saved, but do you know God? Are you intimate with Him? Do you have times when it's just the two of you? And it doesn't have to be some formal gobbledygook, right? Just talk to God. Call upon Him. Let Him... Reveal Himself to you through His Scriptures. Learn to be intimate with God. Secondly, I would say we must understand the way of life. What do I mean this matter of the way of life? As Brother Dylan read for you in John chapter 15, Jesus has spoken to the disciples in John chapter 14... He is preparing them that He is going away. From this point up until this point, they have left everything. They've left their careers, their families, they followed Jesus, and now Jesus is telling them He's leaving them. I'm sure there was some fear and trepidation on behalf of the disciples. I'm sure that as they heard Jesus saying this, they said, could this really be true? Is He really saying what I think He's saying? That we've forsaken everything and followed Him and now He's going to leave us. 
And Jesus says, I want to show you a way of life that will not just help you survive, but will help you thrive. In chapter 15, verse 1 of John, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. If you know anything about horticulture, anything about plants and anything, you know that the leaves and everything gets its resources from the vine. And Jesus says, I am the true vine. You want life? Your life has to be connected to me. You want joy? Your joy has to be connected to me. You want peace? Your peace has to be connected to me. This is what he is telling us. He goes on to say, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You know what the secret to having fruit in your life is? Being attached to Christ. Being attached to Christ. Whether you teach Sunday school, drive a bus, whether you minister outside these walls to people, whatever you do, you do for the glory of God. The way that you receive reward from Him and the way that you thrive is by abiding in Him. Look at verse 4. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. He goes on in the following verses and abide is repeated over and over and over. Abide, abide means to remain or dwell, to remain in fellowship with. This is the way of life for the believer. May I remind you that we as believers in Jesus Christ, we have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. His death on the cross, and when we believed in Him, we crucified, our lives were crucified with Him. Buried and resurrected to a new life. We are not our own. We don't own our lives. Christ is our master. Christ is our capital L-O-R-D, Lord. And Jesus Christ is our Savior. And he goes on to say, and I will tell you this, verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. The key to prayer is being connected to Jesus Christ. We pray to the Father through the Spirit in the name of Jesus. But if you're abiding in Him, you're going to get what you want because you're going to ask for the right things. You're not going to ask fleshly things that you can consume upon your lusts. It's the way of life. If you're abiding in Christ, you have no problem coming in here when the praise team has practiced and prayed and asked God what they would have him, what He would have them to play and sing, and they work on it and they make all these copies and they practice and they run through it and they do that to lead us to worship. When you are abiding in Christ, you have no problem coming in here and singing. Well, it's just not my style. You're going to be a miserable person in heaven. Because in heaven, they're not going to come up and say, Now, what kind of music would you like, sir? Madam, may I help you? What kind of music? It has, goes beyond style. It goes to the heart of the one who we worship. 
and the priorities of our heart. It's not about, church, please hear me, it's not about sitting down and task one, task two, task three, I'm prioritizing my life. No, you're not. You're ordering the events of your life. To prioritize your life means you sit down before God and you come to Him and you say, Lord, my heart is not oriented towards you. It's towards me. It's towards my agenda. It's towards what I want to do. And I want you to... I want you to guide my steps. I want you to lead me. I want my life to matter for you. See, abiding in Him is the key to everything. It's the key to everything. And you say, preacher, I would love that. I would love that. I don't know about you all, but like I'm preaching sometimes, and I'm preaching this, and my mind's like over here. And I'm like, squirrel? You all know what I'm saying. And, and I'm, just, I'm, like, I'm like on like steroids squirrel. You know what I'm saying? And I understand. I get it. We all have good intentions, and we all want to do this. We all want to abide in Christ, and we all want to, to reorient the things in our lives. And, but I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and I've got to... I, I've got all this stuff. I got to, how do I do this? Well, like I said, you've got to abide in Christ. It's called Surrender. Dying to self. Dying to self. We are the most selfish, narcissistic society perhaps that's ever lived. We want stuff and we want it now. And we want it the way we want it to do. And if they don't do it the way we want it to do, then we're going to pick it, fight, and kill because of it. So how do we do this? In Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, we are given two words that I think will help us. Seek and set. Seek and set. Please look at me just for a moment. What you seek, you will become. What you seek, you will become. If you want to become Christ-like, if you seek Christ, you will become Christ-like. If you want to make a name for yourself, you seek that, you'll make a name for yourself maybe, and you'll have your rewards here. I um, was listening to the radio, the news on the radio, and there are some uh, very vocal, prominent actors and actresses that have left Hollywood. And they have given a stark warning to children, and they said this warning, please do not aspire to come to Hollywood and be famous because they have gone complete loco crazy out there. And people are leaving and they're telling them it's not worth it. I read where they just made a, I think a Marvel movie. Um, $700 million dollars has to be sold in ticket sales before they make $1. What you seek, you will become. Verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, If then ye were raised with Christ... 
If you're a born-again believer, you've been raised with Christ. You have the resurrected life. Seek those things which are above. Christ-likeness. Eternal things. Things that go beyond the temporalness of this life. Seeking intimacy with the Father. Seeking to know Christ in in the fellowship of His sufferings. Seeking to know Christ in all of His glory. What a revolutionary idea. Something that could change the course of our lives if we were to seek Christ. Moment by moment, day by day. Seek Him. Secondly, set your mind on things above, not on the things on the earth. Some years ago, when the stock market crashed, there were stockbrokers in New York City jumping out of the buildings. And one of the prevailing predominant denominators that were common to all of these men where they had built their life and they had set their minds on wealth through making money, stock, brokerage, and etc. They set their minds on it. Every year in May, you'll have some clever speaker get up behind the podium, speak at the, all these graduations and say, you can have anything you want if you'll set your mind on it. I wish somebody would stand up in the crowd and say, you're a liar. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just teasing. Because it's not true. How many people have gotten something in here that you thought you wanted, but when you got it, you realized it wasn't what you wanted? All three of us. Okay. I see a sermon coming online here pretty soon. No, I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. We all have. I have a stack at home this large of funeral whether it be sermons or uh, a brochure that I picked up one of those little flyers where someone died every one of those funerals that I've preached or been to some of the people I were able to be with them before they were dying some as they were dying I never had one person tell me man if I just had a little bit more money or just a little bit more fun. But I've had thousands of tell me. Not thousands, that's a hyperbole. I've had some tell me, let me say that. Some tell me, preacher, I wish I'd have done more for Jesus. Amen. Preacher, I wish I'd have loved my family more. I wasted time. I worked all my life, worked overtime to give my family things I didn't have, thinking that's what they needed. But what they really needed was me, and I wasted my life. My kids and my grandkids don't know me, don't want anything to do with me. Never had someone tell me, well, man, I remember back in 2023 when my team won it all. Never. We're so passionate 
about things that do not matter. And we neglect the things that do matter. And that's the tragedy of it all. That's the tragedy of it all. Am I where I should be in relation to Jesus Christ? Do you want to know what the secret to survival is? The secret to survival is this. Everything must be an overflow of my relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not telling you you need to do more for the church. I'm not here trying to build up the church. Jesus said it's his church and he will build his church. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to prioritize my heart towards things that matter. Because none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. And the Lord knows, we don't, but the Lord knows that tomorrow might be the last day before the rapture. The way things are stacking up biblically, to me it appears it's not going to be far off. And when it's all said and done, we stand before Jesus Christ. Do I want to say that, Lord, sure, I read the Bible. Sure, I even gave a church. I even preached. You know, there were some people in the Scripture that Jesus had made a parable, and at the end of the parable he said this, he said, they said to him, Lord, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We healed the sick in your name. We even raised the dead in your name. And he said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. People can see you in the church and they say, oh, he's faithful. Ooh, she's faithful. But only God knows your heart. And that's why when it comes to priorities, it has to be the reorientation of our heart and the issues in our heart towards God. Because the Bible says out of the issues of the heart. Your mouth speaks. It controls your conduct. People tell me before, preacher, I'm just following my heart. And listen, you young ladies, listen to me, please. You may think I'm old and foolish and don't know what I'm talking about because he's Prince Charming, he'd never hurt me. Don't follow your heart. Because the Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. And deceitful. Deceitful. May God in all of us reorient our hearts 
towards Christ. Tomorrow morning when you open His Word and you read His Word, may you read His Word from a heart that has been turned to Him and that you're seeking to be intimate to know Him and to love Him. Friend, if you're here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, we don't ever want you to die and go to hell. Hell is real. The Bible teaches us about hell. The worm dieth not. The fire is not quenched. It's a place of eternal torment. And it's, listen, God never designed it for people to go there. It was for the devil and his followers. And we could never avoid hell on our own. We could never be good enough to get to heaven. So God sent His Son, Jesus, the second person of the, tri- the Trinity, the triune God. God Himself became a man so that He could live a sinless life die on the cross, be buried and rise again, victorious over death, hell, sin, and the grave, and give us eternal life. We all know that we deserve to die, but Jesus Christ stepped in our place and took the punishment we deserve. He died on the cross For every one of our sins. And he said, Believe in me. Not turn over a new leaf, not try to straighten up and then come to him. You come in your awareness that you are lost and you cannot get to heaven without him, and you need him. And you acknowledge that He is God and that He died on the cross for your sins and that your only hope for everlasting life is to believe in Him, trust Him for your eternal salvation. And you will be saved. If you're here this morning and you've never been saved right where you are today, if you understand that you're a sinner and you believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth and died on the cross, was buried and rose again for your sins and you're willing to turn to Him in faith and believe in Him, you can pray this prayer right where you are, and you can be saved. You can pray, Dear Lord Jesus, I realize I'm a sinner, and because of my sin, I deserve to die. But I believe You died in my place. I want You to come into my life. I want You to forgive me of my sins. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Lord, the best way I know how, I'm turning to you in faith, believing in what you did on the cross of Calvary to take me to heaven. And you'll be saved. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.